This is Darren Edwards, and I'm on the Primal Alternative podcast. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, episode number 73. I'm H, your host. I'm a primal health coach and founder of the grain-free food range, Primal Alternative. No need to feel deprived with our delicious range of breads, cookies, pizza bases, wraps, bagels, jellies. Oh my goodness, I hope I've remembered everything. Did I say pastries? We've also got packet mixes as well, and I'm really looking forward to sending a goodie box to our fabulous um, guest today, Mr. Daryl Edwards. Now, I have been a big fan of Daryl's for yonks, um, and he really is one of the big primal movers and shakers. He's even been to Paleo FX every year for the last nine years as a um, as a speaker. So he is very much in the industry. And he's got an amazing story of how he um, went from a very uh, unhealthy um, situation in his life in investment banking to really transforming his entire life, uh, including ditching the banking job, setting up himself as a movement coach. He's a TEDx speaker and a really awesome thought leader in the area of creativity and innovation in fitness and health. Now, he's developed the primal play method to make physical activity fun. Like seriously, in his TEDx talk, why working out isn't working out. You've got to watch that. It's so good. You can check that out at primalplay.com. He just really addresses why it might be okay if you don't want to spend 60 minutes on a treadmill down at the gym. Like it doesn't mean you're a lazy lump. There just are other more fun ways to get healthy, fit and strong without having to, you know, don the lycra and yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be that way. It can be fun, effective and engaging and it can be something that you can do with Anyone, any age, anybody, whether you're on your own or not, even just walking down the street can be turned into a game and be fun. So Daryl will explain a bit more about that. But yeah, I just can't wait to dive into this conversation with Daryl. Um, as I mentioned before, primalplay.com, if you want to find out anything about Primal Alternative and our delicious range, you now can get. I'm so excited because I'm from the UK. It's so such a, such a proud moment for me to say that you can now order Primal Alternative products in the UK. So um, if you're listening to this and thinking, goodness me, I really want to get hold of some of the products, then check out our website, primalalternative.com. And I am on a massive drive to attract more 
primal alternative producers. So primal alternative is different. We're not made in a factory. We're homemade with love. So think cottage industry. Um, so our products are made in, in um, registered kitchens. So everything's council approved, um, but they're made so local in your community. You're supporting um, somebody who's on their own mission to help others um, and helping them contribute in their community. So check it out. It's a really um, kind of like traditional business model that is now in the modern world. And we can do this through the um, connecting through technology, supporting each other in a Facebook group, and obviously having access to all of the recipes and resources on the Primal Alternative website. So you can become a Primal Alternative producer or Primalista, as we like to say, by getting a Primal Primalista license, which basically gives you the recipes and resources and the license to produce the Primal Alternative range in your community. So I really am on lookout for more UK Primalistas. So check it out, primalalternative.com. And in the meantime, let's get into the chat with the fabulous Daryl. Awesome, Daryl. So let's start with what you've had for breakfast. Well, this morning, um, I haven't actually had any breakfast. But, uh, but what I usually have would certainly be based around having quite a lot of eggs. So, so eggs would certainly be a staple of my breakfast regimen, probably at least six or so, um, usually fried in coconut oil and with some veggies. So it could be, you know, some onions, some sweet peppers, um, you know, maybe some tender stem broccoli, that sort of, that sort of thing. The second choice, breakfast choice, would probably be leftovers from the night before. So breaking the fast uh, by using leftovers from my previous dinner. So, so there you go. That would be my There breakfast. you go. Easy peasy. Now, I'd love to start, Daryl. There's yeah, so much that we want to dive down. Wash down with. Sorry, sorry, Helen. I just wanted just to finish off, and I'll probably wash it down with some green tea as well. Okay. Just for, just to be just for completeness sake. <laughs> yeah, and just giving us a hint into what your answer might be about the three grey areas in primal living later on, which we'll we'll get to. But before we get there, I would love to hear your story, Daryl, of how you got into the whole primal play and this way of life. Yeah. So my previous career was working within investment banking um, as a programmer, as a technologist. And it was a wonderful period of my, of my life in terms of a very lucrative career. Uh, I was very successful and um, got to see, got to travel the world. So, um, yeah, I, I did really, really well. Came from a very impoverished background, uh, did really well at school, and, you know, Got a good degree, university degree. Struggled to get into into tech. I worked for Microsoft in the nineties, and and then I got headhunted into investment banking, um, and spent almost twenty years in, in in that area. The 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 point where I decided I need to kind of reevaluate my life was when I had an annual health check. Um, so I was privileged enough to have a 
three to four hours with uh, having a health review once a year. And, you know, there'll be a series of blood tests, a series of um, kind of stress tests looking at your heart, like an, an ECG reading, um, hormonal checks. I mean, it was very, very, very thorough. And so one year I was told, Mr. Edwards, we just need to let you know that you are pre-diabetic, you have severe hypertension or high blood pressure, which I was aware of that because that, that was a regular uh, event. Um, I also was anemic. Um, I was also suffering from a really poor lipid profile. So my cholesterol, my triglycerides were really off. So I had an elevated risk of cardiovascular disease, i.e. pretty much likely to be a heart attack within the next 10 years. So the doctors recommended some statins to reduce and manage my cholesterol, uh, to take some metformin to reduce my blood glucose uh, because I was pre-diabetic, and some beta blockers to help with my blood pressure. So I was suggested to take this cocktail of medication, and I was pleased that there was an option available to me, but I was really concerned about the side effects. And I've always been terrified of taking, taking pills, and I thought, well, I'm probably going to be the person who really suffers badly, who really doesn't have a, you know, doesn't have a great time with the side effects. So I was like, doctor, tell me about the side effects. And I remember the doctor kind of saying to me, well, you know, all, med, all meds have a side effect, but we can manage those and we can find alternatives. And, and that alone was like a, whoa, that was like, mm. okay, hold on a second. Is there anything else that I can do to manage this? And I was told, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, but I do remember, recall thinking, well, I'm sure there's a link between my blood pressure and my lifestyle. And my lifestyle at that point being a very sedentary one, not exercising. So I knew there was a link between exercise and physical activity and reducing blood pressure. And so I was like, let me at least try doing that. Let me start exercising. Let me see if I can bring my blood pressure down. And, um, and that basically happened. So within about 30 days, um, of testing my, my blood pressure. My blood pressure started to come down. Um, and then over the next sort of two or three months, my blood glucose normalized. So I was no longer pre-diabetic. Um, and my lipid profile, so my, my cholesterol started to improve, my lipids started to improve. So within a space of a few months, everything went back to normal or optimal. Um, my health improved dramatically. And I recognized that, that my lifestyle was a, a, a kind of a potent factor um, in improving my, my health and well-being. So that was the start of my journey over, about, that's about 16 years ago now when that, when that started. Um, and probably the next seven or eight years, I stayed within banking um, I gradually found out more and more about living a healthier lifestyle, including diet um, and other aspects of, of lifestyle that were really important to me. And people just started asking me, you know, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you eating this way? Why are you spending so much time in the gym when you should be, you know, sat at your desk, <laughs> you know, all the time? Um, so people started to challenge me about my, my approach, my, my new way of living. 
um, not only in the work environment, but also my friends and family. And so I wanted to have a really good and compelling argument as to why over and above my experience, because sometimes it felt like I was quite evangelical about my, you know, my experience, like a road to Damascus conversion. You know, oh my gosh, I've just found this new way of living and everyone else needs to be doing exactly the same thing as I do. <laughs> why? Just because I said so. You know, that's not good enough, Daryl. Well, just do it. Yeah, just do it anyway. Um, so I was like, I need to understand more about this lifestyle. I need to understand the science. I need to understand why these changes have occurred within me and how like that is to, to work for others. And on that basis, I decided I wanted to become um, a health coach, an exercise coach, a personal trainer, a nutritionist. You know, there were all these things that I decided, okay, I need to find out more about all of these areas. Um, and I transitioned then into becoming a health and lifestyle coach based on a, a paleo lifestyle, which is pretty much what I was in, what I've been invested in. And in 2011 was when I left investment banking to do what I to do what I do now, um, which is which is kind of primal play is the is my is my business and my business model of getting people to have fun with movement and appreciate why and how we should be moving, um, but also a recognition of all of the other lifestyle kind of pillars of health which are important. So I do that type of work with my clients as well. So my clients come to me for one-to-one -one advice for movement for uh, you know, sleep hygiene, to, to manage stress, to reduce kind of toxic load, uh, to manage their conditions, whatever they're, they're, they're dealing with, and, and also to, to get more movement into their life. Awesome. And you're doing such an amazing job of it. Um, it's absolutely incredible what you've achieved in that time. But Daryl, most people that come to this, to this way of life, they usually come to it through the food don't they? So they, they, they recognize that, you know, food is medicine. Um, and sometimes yes. the movement or the exercise um, component can be a little bit harder to crack. So I'd love to hear a little bit about why you believe that exercise is just as much medicine as food is. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, on, on that point with food being medicine, um, that, that is often attributed to Hippocrates let food be thy medicine, let medicine be thy food. And actually, in none of his works uh, did he ever mention that. <laughs> so that quote actually isn't one from Hippocrates. Oh, yeah, that, wow. is, that is true. Yeah, I, I actually uh, researched that for a, a presentation I gave looking at, at food as medicine and, and, and looking at actually movement as medicine. But I kind of covered why... why food is given this importance um, when actually movement uh, you know, has a significant evidence base in relation to its health, and health benefits. So, so one, we're starting off on a, I don't want to say a false premise because we do know food is important. We do know food supports good health. We do know, we do know that food can help um, in you know, kind of reversing disease and managing and controlling disease. No one would doubt that really improving your diet will definitely improve your health and well-being but um sometimes that is that may not be the best way to improve your health and and so and why i suggest this is because if you think about it from a 
an ancestral point of view from our evolution, from our ancestral past, from our primal past, in order for humans to obtain good food, so, good sources of food, whatever your food, food preferences are, whatever you believe to be a healthful diet, um, we had to undertake a significant amount of physical effort to be able to achieve access that food source. So we had to hunt, we had to gather, we had to scavenge, we had to prepare that food, we had to carry that food back to, to our, you know, wherever we were resided. Um, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of arduous tasks involved and oftentimes we weren't successful. So you'd still go through this physical effort not to be rewarded with food at the, at the end. And so in many respects, the prioritization of humans would be the ability, the functional ability to get the food in the first place. And you had to be successful because obviously you couldn't go for too long without, without food. So, of course, there are periods of fasting, but that isn't the preferred choice of humans. It's like we want food. Mm. You know, that's, what, that's why we're doing this. We're not doing it so we can fast. We're doing this so we can, we can eat. So, so even that kind of five-year-old kind of question, you know, that five-year-old mind thinking, hold on a second, why is everyone placing so much importance on food and nutrition and diet and kind of forgetting about what's needed to get that food? Both from, a, both from the mind and the, and the body. So if there's a driver for us to obtain energy, i.e. food, then why is there a significant expenditure in order to obtain it? So in other words, there has to be, a, there has to be additional benefits that come from movement, which aren't just about getting the food, which actually um, mean that there are significant additional health benefits there are changes that happen epigenetically that mean it will improve our health in so many other ways because food again by fueling the body is then enabling our ability to go back out and hunt and gather food so food is a part of that is a part of that process of facilitating movement and movement is the way that we obtain food so that was a, a kind of a long-winded way of discussing why I decided to prioritize movement in many respects. And I, I would say in the, in the health field, movement is often seen as the poor. I feel it's a poor relation. It's like the Cinderella of, of health and well-being. I need to remember that quote. I'm going to need to reuse that. That's a good that. one. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like the Cinderella of, of health and well-being because – you know, under underappreciated, undervalued, and we're often told it's all about you know you can't exercise, out exercise a, a, a poor diet. Mm. You know, that we're constantly being drummed this message that nutrition is the best way for us to improve our health. Then you can consider getting some movement in. You know, go for a walk every now and again, and everything. That that's all you need to do. That's what we're that's what we're told. But I I want to basically represent. I want to represent what movement can do for our health and the things that movement can do that food can't and once you recognize that you should also be stating that yes you can't maybe you can't outrun a poor diet but you also can't eat your way out of a sedentary lifestyle mm. you know so 
if your argument is you cannot be healthy if you're eating a poor diet, it's impossible to achieve good health and well-being. If that's your position, you should equally be as equally adamant that you can't be healthy even with a perfect flawless diet if you're sedentary because there are mechanisms in the body which will be you know, inefficient, suboptimal, and, and frankly, will lead to poor health, both physically and mentally, if you're not moving adequately. So does that answer the, does that, does that answer the question as to why it, I, I kind of introduced this way of looking at movement as medicine? And we can talk about some of the science to kind of support that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to be, cha- I just wanted to champion movement and not just because, again, of my personal experience. You know, it's not, I don't want this to be a personal bias. I, I wanted this to be an intelligent discussion, a research-based discussion, uh, uh, and an education for me and for me to be able to educate others by reporting the science and saying, hold, hold on a second, guys. Uh, if we are living this, if we do want to model what our ancestors did in the past in the 21st century and take the best of the past, that past definitely included a significant amount of movement. Mm. We, can't, we can't avoid that fact. Uh, we can't just focus on the food and say it's all about food, guys. Um, what else were our ancestors doing? And movement, physical activity uh, was a, a, huge, a huge part of that. Now, for Daryl, for, for people like myself who've grown up in the 80s, um, the whole um, message around exercise is so dramatically different from anything that our ancestors would have talked about, or even just my grandma. I mean, my grandma certainly didn't go to the gym. You know, she'd clean the house from top to bottom and walk to the shops and carry all the shopping home. And that was, you know, she got enough movement just from, you know, everyday life. But growing up in the 80s, the, the messaging that I got as a teenager around exercise was predominantly something to do to burn calories and get fit. Um, and I'm sure that quite a lot of the clients that you deal with, um, they've had that message as well. So can you tell us about some of the more enlightening and more exciting things that movement actually does for our body besides the absolutely hideous calories in, calories out paradigm? Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the mentioning, uh, I suppose it's kind of, just kind of uh, discussing that point a second about mm. you know exercise burning calories and that, that whole big messaging in the 80s aerobics became very popular recreational exercise became more popular people started jogging and yeah. you know the marathon became became something that non-athletes started doing but we have to recognize why exercise is being pushed and driven through public health messaging and, and it's because, um, you know, and, and even pre, pre-1980s, exercise has been discussed from the time of Hippocrates. You know, um, GPs back in his day, so 3,000 years ago, would write prescriptions mm. to, to their patients, uh, including exercise. So this isn't, this isn't something that is, that is new and relatively recent. This message has been pushed for a very, very long time. JFK mentioned the importance of physical activity and exercise in, in the early 60s, talking about the health of the nation. He's talking about the health of the US and saying, you know, guys, we can't defend ourselves when we have unfit 
you know, people drafting, you know, to the army who aren't fit enough, who aren't capable enough to, to, to do this. So this has been a long, a long standing problem. And, and the reason it's been a problem is because since our hunter gatherer days, physical activity, since the agricultural revolution, physical activity has lessened, has become less important, has become less necessary, I would say, because we have spent time on labor-saving devices, mm. on a focus on, on convenience, which meant physical labor became less of a need. So you fast forward on to the 1980s, where most locomotion would be done by public transport or, you know, or, or a car, you know, um, mm. where many jobs are become, start to become office-based. So factory work and man, even manufacturing lessons and more people are going to, to work in offices and they're commuting to work by public, some sort of public transport or, or, the, or a car. And then you go to work and you're sitting down for the majority of your day and then your, your kind of free time becomes one where you like to be sitting down again, i.e. you're watching TV. So, so that was the reality of, of life back in the 80s for many sedentary lifestyle becomes a bigger part of your day and so exercise which is like a supplement i would say it's a substitute for a lack of physical activity that you get throughout your day so we have created this mechanism of saying hey you know you're sedentary but don't worry about it there's something you can do about this you can spend 30 minutes 60 minutes doing some exercise in quotation marks and that will be that's what how you uh, you know, avoid some of the health issues that can occur by being sedentary. So that's why exercise has been given this huge push by public health authorities. And most of that messaging has been around burning calories. You know, you're eating too much exercise to address the balance. Into the 21st century, into the present day and into the work that I'm doing. Um, yes, it is important for us to be, and I don't want to say burning calories, but it is important for us to be, you know, if we're taking on board lots of fuel, which is what food is, it's fueling our body. If we're taking on too much fuel, doesn't matter who you are, if you take on board too much fuel, there are going to be consequences in, in doing so. So there is a mechanism of us to move in order to reduce some of that excess fuel. That is one of the side benefits of exercise. Um, not the best way to necessarily manage uh, that excess, excess consumption. Better not to exceed consumption in the first place. But if you do, exercising can redress some of that, some of that balance. But there's far more that exercise can do for us. So, for example, it can reduce the likelihood of premature death from chronic lifestyle disease by up to 50%. So it's the single biggest inter health intervention that we have based on the research that would significantly prevent and, um, and also be useful for treatment of chronic lifestyle disease. So everything from type 2 diabetes to uh, heart disease to various cancers, stroke, um, it will improve your physical function. So you're less likely to suffer from things like low back pain. You're less likely to have premature um, disability as we, as we age. You're less likely to have cognitive decline, so a loss of brain function, 
less likely to be, have Alzheimer's and, and dementia, for example. So there's a whole host of research looking at exercise and physical activity and how they support our health across all of these different chronic lifestyle diseases, which we are, we are certainly battling within the 21st century, for, for sure, the burden of, of chronic lifestyle disease. So one, there's all, this, all of this research, but also we're starting to understand some of the mechanisms as to why this occurs. So we know if you exercise, um, over time, your blood pressure will reduce, as, as is what occurred in my, in my case. So you have a 50% reduction in the, the likelihood of having high blood pressure if you're physically active versus somebody who isn't. You're, you're half as likely to have a heart attack or to die from the complications of a heart attack if you're physically active versus somebody who isn't. And that differential of physically active versus somebody who isn't is usually the minimum recommendation of 150 minutes a week mm. of moderate intensity physical activity and two days a week of resistance training. And when people hear that amount of, oh, 150 minutes a week, yeah, I'm, I am definitely doing 150 minutes. It isn't that much. You know, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And people are asked by questionnaire, about a third of adults state that they meet the requirement. But when research is, is looked at by people wearing accelerometer devices, you know, like a Fitbit tracking your calorie, uh, you know, well, tracking your, your movements, mm. activity, um, only about 5%, about 1 in 20 adults, meets the minimum recommendations. So, so the reality is many of us are not moving adequately, sufficiently, of the right type of quality to support the health benefits that can come from movement. Um, and probably just to finish off on this point, uh, the link between physical activity and overweight and obesity. So again, the messaging by many in the health space is that diet is the best way to manage, change body composition, to, you know, uh, to facilitate weight loss. Again, that's a message that we're often, often being told. And if you look at a lot of the research, there is some evidence to support that fact. And, and a lot of this research will compare 30 minutes of exercise, say, with very low-calorie diets. You know, so, you know, like 500 calories of exercise in, say, 45 minutes uh, against the 500-calorie-a-day diet. And, of course, 500 calories a day isn't very much food at all. Mm. You're pretty much it's, – it's almost a starvation diet. Uh, it's no wonder you're going to be significantly reducing your weight, um, not only body fat, but also muscle mass as well, by, by having a starvation diet. So most of the comparisons between diet and exercise are not realistic in one sense. Um, and also, I would say the greatest observation we have available to us of, of people who are physically active tends to be sports, sports men and women. Um, you don't tend to see very many sportsmen and women who have a problem with body composition. So the rest of the world is struggling with this, oh my gosh, it's an obesity epidemic, an obesity crisis. Ever since we had a low-fat diet, ever since we listened to government guidelines, you know, we're all just becoming, we're just all ballooning. We're all getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But there's a segment of the population who maintain a significant amount of physical activity 
who don't seem to have this problem. You know, mm. I watch the Olympic Games. You do not see, unless the athlete is trying to gain lots of weight. So, you know, for example, an Olympic lifter who wants to be, you know, uh, in the heavyweight class of their, of their event, um, most people are trying to maintain really good body composition, really good strength to power ratio. Uh, and arguably, they're not eating this, all the diets that we would recommend to maintain body composition. But they seem to be doing okay. And many of those athletes, when they stop the amount of physical activity that they do, when they retire, they then start to have issues with body composition. So anyway, I, I'm just trying to throw out a bit of a curveball there and say, guys, you know, we're, we, we need to have a look uh, at, at this problem from as many angles as possible. Mm. And, and we shouldn't blame, um, you know, uh, we shouldn't say exercise isn't working because it's ineffective. Uh, we should say exercise isn't working because maybe I'm not doing enough. Because we're not doing maybe it. I'm not doing the yeah. right time. So, so what are, yeah. so what are, yeah. 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 What are yeah. we getting wrong? So I watched your TEDx talk today, why working out, um, working out isn't working out, which I just love as a TEDx um, talk the title. Um, and very good. And it was very good indeed. And the reality is, and you know, I, I've worked in gyms and sold gym memberships and January was like um, the biggest time for commission because everybody comes into the gym with their <laughs> New Year's resolution and they pay their membership and you never see them again. Um, so I think, we, I, think we, mm. <laughs> I think we want to exercise. I think we know why we need to exercise. And, and, I, and I know that most of us don't necessarily want to be athletes. But the paradigm that we've got at the moment of working out, um, you know, let's say, for example, in a gym, uh, plugged into a treadmill, you know, watching the TV, it, it, it's not very uh, enjoyable. It's pretty boring. So mm -hmm. what, what is it that, what, are we getting it wrong in terms of um, the, the modalities that we've got to move? And is there a more fun way of doing it? Yeah, I do. I do think we've got this wrong. Um, uh, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with exercise at all. We need exercise. J you know, just like I live in the UK, I can only get enough adequate vitamin D between March and October if I get outside. You know, and and get sun exposure. If I don't, I need supplementation. Mm. In the winter, I certainly do need vitamin D supplementation. It's exactly the same with exercise. If I don't do a significant amount of physical activity daily. I need exercise as a supplement, and most of our listeners do too. The problem with exercise is most people see it as a chore. Most people see it as something that, is, you know, hopefully will become a hobby, hopefully something that I can, I can fall in love with. But most people do not have that experience. If you're an athlete, you have no choice. You have to exercise, you have to train in order to be at your best. For other pe individuals, we do have a choice. I do not need to exercise in order for me to go about my day, you know, for me to have a career, for me to have the success, for me to have a family. You know, there's all these things, you know, for me to access food. There's all these things that I can do. Exercise does not need to play a part. It's not essential. And because it isn't seen to be essential, most of us will opt out of doing it. And that's why one of the reasons why exercise isn't working out. It's because our bodies are constantly telling us to conserve energy. Mm. 
you know, you have the choice between standing and sitting, most people will sit. You know, if you ask people the question, you know, you, you, you go to your, you know, you invite somebody over and you say, hey, do you mind standing for whilst we have a chat for the next few hours? <laughs> most people are like, are you crazy? I'm going to sit down. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? You're loon. Let's sit and have a chat. Yeah, yeah. let's sit and have a cup of tea. Let's, you know. Mm. Uh, um, so it, this is not because we're, we're, we're lazy and, and I don't, you know, or, or because we can't be bothered. You know, our DNA, we are programmed to conserve, conserve energy because we don't know where our next meal is coming from. That's what our DNA is telling us. Mm-hmm. You know, be careful, right? You don't know when you're going to be eating next. You don't know, gonna, don't know where you're going to get in food next. So conserve energy until you, until you know for sure you've got plentiful access to food. That should be the messaging uh, that we're re- receiving. Um, so if our body is primed for convenience, if humanity is constantly thinking of ways, inventing ways to conserve calories for, you know, to, to suspend the amount of calories that we expend, right? So think about all the devices that we use, all the technology we use. You don't even need to stand, you know, walk from one desk to the other at work now. You can instantly message. You can send emails. You can communicate to somebody across the world like we are now, yeah. right? There's all these wonderful things that come from technology, but it's most of it is at the expense of engineering movement outside of our, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it, we've out, outsourced almost uh, movement yeah. to, <laughs> to devices that we've created. Uh, and, and our habitats have become one, ones where it's very comfortable not to move. So even things like our chi- like our sofas and armchairs, when when I was a child, you couldn't sit in sofas for very long. You know, not the they weren't the most comfortable <laughs> of apparatus, right? Now sofas are so comfortable, so soft. You've got like a million pillows. You know, they're designed to come almost. Y- yes, you know they 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 almost like. You're almost eaten, aren't you? You know, you're almost being consumed <laughs> when you sit in, a, in an armchair now. So, like, it, we're seduced by, by technology, by our environment to move less. And so this is part of the problem. And so when you're telling people exercise is really important, come to our gym, get mm-hmm. some exercise in, it sounds like a great idea because we also know, DNA also tells us that movement is important. So we do have this kind of like, you know what? Exercise is good. You know, I feel good when I do it, right? Mm-hmm. I've been to the gym class. I've run around for an hour and I came out feeling alive. You know, I've been for a run. I've had this endorphin rush. So our body also tells us, wow, exercise feels really good. All of those feel-good hormones uh, are activated when we exercise. But the biggest problem in all this is that <sighs> convenience always wins out. I'm afraid, you know, that's the, that's the problem. So we have all these solutions available to us. We have more books than ever before, yeah. more gym programs. You know, when I, again, when I started out in the gym, there were probably two classes you could do, you know, aerobics and aerobics. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was pretty much it. Legs, bums, and thumbs, yes. you know, step aerobics. Teach those you know, that was probably, <laughs> that was probably it. 
Now you've got indoor cycling. Now you've got body. Part. I mean, you've just got a whole suite of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gyms have become more all singing or dancing facilities. You know, we, now we've got sauna. Now we've got a crash. Now we've got TV. Now we've got interactive programs. Now, 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 now. Mm-hmm. So there are more gyms than ever before. There are more books and exercise than ever before. We have smartphones which can have, I've got, I think I've got about 50 fitness apps on my phone. And I think I've probably used one of them for about a few seconds. <laughs> um, right? So that's the reality for many. I used to buy men's fitness and men's health magazines every month. Um, most of my time was spent reading it, not actually doing the exercise <laughs> programs that were recommended. <laughs> right? so, so, and that, that experience is not, is not one that is, is, is related just to me. I think that's, it's, a human, it's a human problem. And when you look at the research and you see that 50% of people who sign up to gym membership at the beginning of the year don't even cross the threshold. They sign up. They get convinced by the salesperson that it's important. They sign up. They start their subscription. 50% of people do not turn up ever. I mean, imagine that. How, what a successful business model is that? Oh, it's, it's incredible. 50% of the people who purchase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really Don't is. Even and, use the and, and the members really feel that because they, they're keeping their membership, it's almost um, if they feel like they are making some kind of contribution because one day they will go, but they're paying their $50 or £50 yes. pounds a month or whatever, and they, they feel that they're actually that is taking action, whereas – Whereas it's not, but the reality is, Daryl, isn't it? Like yes. getting in the car, driving half across town, changing into specific lycra um, for said mm. workout, doing it for an hour, taking a shower, taking lycra off, putting on everyday clothes, having a shower, driving back. You know, we're looking at two to three hours um, in terms of time yes. invested. We're talking about a membership and certain attire that needs to be worn and shoes and stuff. Whereas when the reality is like that's really hard unless you're like incredibly disciplined um, and you've got that mm. me, you've got to have that real strong willpower which is really strong on a Monday but does dwindle by um, Wednesday afternoon and is finite <laughs> and, and turns into like you say won't power that that that's that's fine and that's mm. normal and I think we a lot of us beat ourselves up for being you know, lazy or, or I never managed to keep anything up. I'm hopeless. There's nothing I can do. But there are some really cool things that we can do, aren't there? So I'd love you to talk us through some examples of ways that we can move primarily in ways that can be done at home in your normal clothes. You don't even have to get changed. You Mm. don't need specific Mm. equipment, um, do you? And it can actually be the thing I I love so much about your primal player is that it really sort of, answers the inner child in you that has been wanting to have that game of tag or just chasey or whatever. So can you talk us through some like real life examples of what we can do to introduce a little bit more primal play movement into our lives? Yes. I mean, that's, that's why I created primal play uh, was a way of getting people to, to see movement uh, in a way that isn't a chore, that isn't punishment, but is fun and pleasurable. And it requires us to, to, to embrace our inner child and say it's okay to remain playful, even as an adult. And part of that playful expression is through active play, is through, is through being physically active in a playful and joyful way. 
And that's how Primal Play was born. When I saw that I couldn't, I found it difficult to maintain that love affair with exercise. I was like, oh, I hate exercise. Oh, I love it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, but, but I know that I love, deep down inside, I love movement. And when I was a kid, nothing could stop me from playing. And, and it was the same for my mates as well. It wasn't, you know, most kids love to get outside and play. You were told to do it anyway, even if you didn't. <laughs> Your parents would say, get outside and play. And we'll, we'll let you know when it's time to come in or when, a, when the sun comes down, get back inside for, for tea or whatever. Yeah. But that was, that was my childhood. And I wanted to experience that again as an adult. And Primal Play was my way of creating a program, a, a methodology to enable that to, to happen. And I would say for anyone who's listening, who's thinking, I do want to have a better relationship with exercise. I do want to get more physical activity in, in my day. Uh, make fun the primary objective in doing so. And that way, when you are going through something which is quite arduous or strenuous, because of that play-based mindset, it becomes more enjoyable. So I'll do things, for example, if I'm, if I'm a, on the high street, if I'm walking down the street, sometimes I'll, I'll create a, a game and I'll say, how many people can I overtake <laughs> by walking down this street? <laughs> And, you know, I'll give myself, if somebody's standing, if somebody's stationary and I pass them, I only get one point. <laughs> if, they're, if, they're, if they're walking past me, you know, I won't count a point. If I overtake them and they're walking ahead of me, I'll give myself two points. And I'll be like, yeah, how quickly can I get to 100? You know, I'll, I'll just literally do, create those games that you may have done as a kid yeah. in adult form. And it's incredible how motivated you are yeah. when you do something play like it. that and, and just you uh, just you explaining you know, that game to me is it's just it's a spontaneous laughter like it just sounds so much fun and we're not even playing it you're just yeah. describing it i mean that sounds so much more fun than going for a power walk doesn't it yeah ex- ex- exactly you know and, you, and again thinking about get, having to get changed having to put on the right training shoes and you know have, have a couple of sticks to just to walk do you know what i mean like yeah. it, it, it becomes so serious <laughs> And, and actually, we don't need to be serious about walking. No. You, know, you just need to decide, I want to go from A to B using my legs as transport if I'm able to. That's, that's all I need. And let's make it a little bit more fun than me just going, hey, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to clock up my, my five-mile walk this morning. Yes. Like, really? Mm. You know how, you know, for some people, that's, really, that's boring. But yeah. if I can go, you know what? I'm going to walk through, like yesterday, for example, I had, I, had to, I had an appointment. Um, it was about 40 minutes away, but walking time. And if I'd have taken public transport, if I'd taken the tube and so on, it probably would have taken 25 minutes. So I was like, okay, you know what? I am going to decide to walk. And I decided to walk for, a local, for, the, for the park. Mm. So I walked for the park. It was a, it was a, beautiful, a beautiful day. Um, and it probably only took me another five or 10 more minutes than if I'd taken public transport. So I wasn't, I wasn't um, sacrificing time in order for me to get yeah. some activity yeah. in. And I spent some time appreciating nature and kind of people watching. Yeah, it ticks, a lot. It ticks a lot of primal guys. boxes, doesn't it, when you, when you do stuff like that. And also it gives, like I find when you're going for a walk for a purpose, you know, like you're walking from A to B because you've got mm. an appointment at B, it makes it feel a lot more worthwhile than just walking just to get the steps on your fit bit or whatever it is that you use like 
yes. it's just more purposeful, isn't it? It makes more sense. Yes. It makes more sense. It's more mindful rather than mindless. Um, and again, thinking about your inner child, when you think about your play activities, whether it was in isolation or as a group, socially, you kind of agreed what you would do. You know, why are we doing this? Because it's fun. What's this new game you're introducing to us? Oh, it's called blah, 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 blah. What's, what, what do you have to do? Would you have to do X, Y, and Z? Oh, that sounds boring. You know, <laughs> here's how you can make this better. Here, let's change the rules to, to, to make this even more fun. So that, you know, we didn't exercise when we were kids, no. as kids. We were, ex- we were introduced to exercise by physical education or maybe did some kind of classes that introduced training to us. But when we decided what to do, we would be, I don't use the word exercise, but we would be moving, we would be playing out rather than working out. Mm. We would be investing in the moment based on having fun and our bodies moving naturally and the amount of activities that would involve. So from, you know, biking for, in my case, bike, being on a bike for miles, we would sometimes literally be on a bike all day, yeah. venturing to parts of the city that we didn't even know existed and having to decide how the heck we're going to get back without GPS. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> without Siri, like, wow. You know, we, yeah, we, without Siri in, in the right sort of time. So it's like, oh my gosh, it's taking us four hours to get, I don't know, 10 miles away from home, say, and we've got to get back in an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, if we don't get back, we're in trouble. So, you know, so, you know, we climbed trees. We did, played piggyback. We played tag. We played all these, you know, sports. But the, the sports we played were all about having fun, not about the equipment we had. Mm. So, we, you, know, you know, we used bread, you know, a, a milk crate for, for cricket stumps or, you know, a tennis ball for football or, do you know what I mean? Like, the, the environment we were in dictated what we could do and how we could do it. And so we used our imagination. And for, for those listening and you're thinking, well, okay, I'm not a kid anymore. You know, that, sound, that sounds childish. Um, it, you don't have to recreate all of those moments of your childhood. But you can certainly introduce, reintroduce some of those aspects to make movement more enjoyable. And, and that's, that's really the whole point of this. So if you have children, of course, share in the moment with them. You know, they will give you enough cues to say what they enjoy and, and join in. If you don't have children or, or don't, you know, or you're thinking, of, okay, I want to be exercising, just decide sometimes to avoid convenience is another good method. Yeah. You know, sometimes make a decision that I will take the stairs rather than taking the lift. You know, I will stand whilst I answer my phone and have a conversation as one way of just being less sedentary. Some days I will leave, may leave the car at home and take public transport because if I do so, I'm still going to have to walk to my local metro station or bus stop. You know, do you know what I mean? Like I'm still yeah. going to have to walk from my, bus, the, my destination bus stop into, into work. Um, drink lots of water at work is another great way of making sure you have more toilet breaks. <laughs> <laughs> That's another good practical, practical tip. Do you squat um, well if you're And I use... <laughs> yeah do, yeah yes exactly exactly avoid i mean you know avoiding the toilet seats perhaps uh, but uh but yeah like you know even if you're watching the television um one of the things that i do 
is, you know, I used to, you know, if you're watching TV and they're at commercial breaks, advertisements, do some movement for two or three minutes whilst those commercial breaks are happening. You know, the, 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 you're, you're brewing some coffee. Why stand watching the coffee maker make coffee? You know, you're standing there going, oh, isn't this great watching, the, watching coffee drip into my cup? <laughs> you know, you could be spending two minutes doing some exercise. Could be having a right? dance. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Put some music on. Pretend to be, listen to music you listen to as a teenager. Just, mm-hmm. you know, dance like somebody is watching. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, you, there, there are ways you can just you can just introduce, squeeze in a little bit more movement into your day without it becoming a chore. Like, oh, I have to do this. Oh, I've got to find that thirty minutes in my day to exercise. If you get one or two minutes in throughout your day on a regular basis, that's going to be your thirty minutes. Yeah, You've done quite easily. Yeah. Um, and just to mention commercial breaks, of course, many of us are now watching streaming, you know, catch-up TV, Netflix and the like. There were no commercial breaks, right? Um, so what do you do in that instance? Somebody, somebody challenged me once with that question, Ooh. trying to be really clever. Oh, <laughs> so what do you do if you're watching a Netflix phone? There's no adverts. How do you get your movement in then? And so what I do is, or what I said to them was, if you have a favorite television show, if there's a, if there's a whenever a character enters a room, that could be your cue to do a, to do an exercise. <laughs> you know, when, when, when there's a disagreement between two characters, that could be a time you do another activity. So you just literally create like a, a, a movement card of, you know, four or five activities and say, right, when A talks to B, I will do some squats. When B decides to go into the office, I'll do blah, 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 blah. So there's, you know, and even that is quite fun. You know, almost, you're fun, almost waiting yeah. for something to happen. Um, yeah, so, so, and you know, you can introduce your family to something like that. So you don't feel, you know, there's wisdom in the, with the crowds as we, as, as he's often said. Mm. So getting a few people doing that within the, within the household, people feel as if they're missing out then, you know, what are you guys doing? Why are you, (laughs) why are you squatting when, when Jack comes on the TV, (laughs) you know, oh, because we're playing this, we're playing this game. No. So there are always ways that you can introduce more movement, you know, yes, get some I ideas. It. I love it. And one of yeah. the ideas I, I heard from you eight years ago on a podcast um, was playing tag on the trampoline with the kids. Um, so that, you know, like in a nice, in a really like closed uh, space and just tagging in mm-hmm. between the hip and the knee, which really makes things a little bit more tricky. Yes. It's so much fun. And it can be like, you know, that, at that yes. time of the day when you've had like a stressful day, say if you've been at work or um, there's a few jobs that have got to get done, you sort of feeling the pressure of the day, just that like burst of serotonin and the fun that you have connecting with your kids, inevitably you're outside. There's just so many things that can happen in such a short space of time that can really change your body chemistry and change your whole, change the whole family vibe. It can just be like so much fun. Um, just little things yes, like that yes. can, can really add. And I think um, another thing as well, especially for, uh, you know, people who are doing domestic stuff around the house, like lifting up the washing, hanging the washing out, picking the washing in, mopping the floors, vacuuming, all of it adds as movement, you know, and, and it can be more fun. You can put yes. on some music and, um, have a little dance while you do it and just kind of rock out while you're vacuuming or mopping the floor. Like, whereas sometimes we feel like unless we've gone to the gym, it's not proper exercise. It's but not, any kind of movement it's not is. not counting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Movement, any movement is beneficial. So anything is better than doing nothing. And the more, the more, the better. Uh, um, and yeah, housework is a great way. You know, sometimes I will boycott the vacuum cleaner <laughs> and I'll use a broom, a broom and, you know, dustpan and brush. Yeah. And, and it's amazing when you're like having to really bend and to kind of like reach to get to ac- access parts of your, your home that it's very easy to do with a vacuum cleaner. It's incredible how, you know, you, you get a few beads of sweat, you start, you're getting out of mm. breath. You're like, oh my goodness, my, my mother used to do this all day, every day. It wasn't, do you know what I mean? Like it, that ha- manual housework was just how things were done in certain, mm-hmm. in certain times. I remember my, my mother not having a washing machine. I was just going to say know, the washing and, machine and, and the mangle. Wash my hair. Wash everything by and Oh my goodness. Yeah, I remember that. My yeah. grandma had that, and then the twin tub came in, and one of them washed it, and then one of them spun it, and then now we've we've got you know completely automatic washer dryers and vacuum cleaners that just have got their own app, and they just switch them on, and you don't even have to vacuum anymore. Yes. So we really yes, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to touch the machine. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it, it's incredible. Like it's almost like science fiction. Science fiction is is. You know, it's, it's we have it in the present, right? It's not. It's no longer something that happens in the future. It's like, oh my gosh, it's it's the now. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you know, my website primaplay.com has lots of ideas as to how you can become more playful. Has activities and games that you can play. Uh, um, if you know, you're kind of if you're looking for some inspiration, um, awesome. I'm full of ideas. Awesome. My books, my products. And your, and I'd love you to talk about a little bit about your um, Animal Moves deck that you've just brought out. Yeah, so I, I created, um, I, I wrote a book called Animal Moves, which talks about how we should be moving more like the animals we are. And, and by, by mimicking the animal kingdom, we'll have more movement opportunities for our, our day and we'll have more expressive movements. So we'll undertake a wider kind of repertoire of movement patterns. And the very slowest to the very fastest, the most powerful, you know, we'll, we'll take opportunities to climb and to jump and to carry and to do all these things that we should be doing. And it's a, it's a fairly structured program in the book. So it's a 28-day program, beginner, intermediate, advanced. The, uh, I decided I wanted to make the book even more fun. Uh, so I created what are known as the Animal Moves Decks. And they introduced that, the concept of the book in playing card form. So they're poker-sized cards, mm-hmm. and you literally can shuffle and go. So it's, it's like a, I'd say like a gym in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't need, you can be anywhere, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Um, if you've got a couple of minutes, you've got a minute or so, you just take a card, you perform that movement, job done. Mm-hmm. If you want to make it more of a longer a longer game or partner-based game. You know, you do this card, I'll do this card. So there's many ways of interacting with the deck and not knowing what's coming up next, I think is, is always a good way to, to motivate yourself. To well, like, that's you fun know, as well, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh, what's it going to be today? And, and no it's app, fun, yes. No app required. Yes. Which is also cool as well because sometimes, you know, you, you got to do something and it takes you about 10 or 15 minutes to get, load the app, get the right thing that you want to do. Oh, it's just... It's almost like just reaching insanity. Now, Daryl, seriously, yes. I've got so many other questions for you, but I'm, I'm conscious of the time. So I'm going to have to get to my curly questions, which are, what are Daryl Edwards' personal opinions of the three great areas of the primal lifestyle um, 
food and drink section, which is coffee, alcohol, and chocolate. Okay. So, well, I don't drink coffee or alcohol. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm probably, um, and I also don't do bacon either. So I'm probably the, <laughs> I'm probably not the poster child for the paleo primal lifestyle, not, not consuming any of the, uh, any of those, but for coffee and alcohol, I don't consume for health, my, my health benefits actually for health benefits. So coffee, uh, unfortunately, even having one cup of coffee very early in the morning, so 7 a.m. cup of coffee, uh, you can interrupt your deep sleep at night because of the half-life of caffeine. So one cup of coffee can reduce your deep sleep by about 25%. Mm. And so being, being sleep-deprived and, and trying to focus on improving my sleep quality, I can't have coffee as part of my, part of my day. Um, I did mention green tea as part of my breakfast ritual. So green tea has far less caffeine than, than a, a cup of coffee um, and has an additional amount of antioxidants, which mitigates some of that caffeine consumption. And I always would have green tea very early in the morning to, to reduce some of that uh, impact. Uh, the second issue, secondary issue around caffeine that I have an issue with is the fact that it's, a, it's like a, uh, oh my goodness. I don't want to say neurotoxin, but it's a, it, it, it's a, it excites the nervous system. So it obviously suppresses um, adenosine triphosphate, so it basically stops us feeling tired, which, is a, which is, can, be, can be a great thing. But it also stimulates our nervous system, excites the nervous system, and it can increase the heart rate. So increasing the heart rate where, based on a stimulus that isn't required I, I don't need to have an elevated heart rate. Mm. I'm only getting one because I'm drinking caffeine. Is also not a, a healthful response. So those are a couple of reasons why I avoid, I avoid coffee. Uh, in terms of alcohol, I used to be a really big drinker, especially working in banking. It was, it was part of the culture. I mean, being British, it's a, it's a big part of the culture. But, but um, chemistry is a cultural kind of requirement. <laughs> Yeah. At times, yeah. but I also stopped drinking because of the because of the for health reasons. So, and not the obvious ones. I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I did binge drink. So that was a problem in itself. I could only drink large quantities when I did decide to drink. But from a more practical sense, alcohol also affects our deep sleep. So, if you drink alcohol in the evening, it will make you feel sleepy, but it will actually keep you in very light stages of sleep, not deep sleep. So you'll wake up still feeling quite lethargic and tired. And secondly, also blunts the hormonal response for things like testosterone and growth hormone throughout the night. So those hormones, we, we uh, reduce the amount of those hormones as we age. So we can almost prematurely, it will lead to premature aging, alcohol consumption in some, in some respects. So those are some of the the least well-known issues in relation to, to, to alcohol. And probably the, the third point about alcohol is also it increases, as liver, the liver breaks down alcohol, it increases the amount of estrogen that's produced, which is why alcohol is linked to increased risk of, say, uh, breast cancer, for example, 
because of this extra estrogen that's being circulated throughout the body. So I don't want to put a dampener on things, talking about alcohol and, and coffee, but I just want to share some of the reasons why we may need to kind of reevaluate consumption of alcohol and caffeine and coffee. For chocolate, oh my goodness, I do love chocolate. Uh, um, I do. And um, it's very easy to just talk about the benefits. Yeah, it's, so it's also healthy, all these antioxidants. Uh, and there are lots of benefits for, for chocolate, for sure. But 100 grams of 70% dark chocolate has more caffeine than an espresso. Wow. So, yeah. Mm. So, you know, you have a few chunks of, of dark chocolate at night, which might, might be the preference as a bit of a dessert. Again, you're introducing lots of caffeine into your system very late at night. It affects your sleep quality. So even something like dark chocolate, you know, you need to have very early in the day. You know, it is a, it's a stimulant, uh, once again, because of that. So, um, yeah, hopefully that was a, a useful discussion around. Very useful indeed, absolutely. And I'm really excited to um, say that Primal Alternative, my grain-free food range, has launched in the UK now. So what I'd love you to do, Daryl, is send me your best postal address so we can send so i can send a gift to you for being on the show and i'll oh. yeah i'll pop in um a loaf oh, of uh, a grain-free bread i'll see which one is best for them to post but also some of our chocolate chip cookies which are completely primal aligned and delicious if you like chocolate i'll put those i in. would i would love to thank you yes thank you so much in advance so cool send me double i will i'll send you double <laughs> and let me know <laughs> Let me know if you like them. I'd love to hear. So before we, before we wrap up, can you let us know, let the audience know where the best place to find you is? Yes, uh, primalplay.com is, is really the best place if you want to find out what Primal Play is about, a little bit more about me and my approach and how you can introduce more movement, more play into your life. Um, if you want to be satisfied intellectually, there's lots of research. If you want to be more pragmatic and, and forget about the theory, just give me stuff to do. There are lots of ideas and suggestions there uh, as well. Um, on social media, I'm known as the Fitness Explorer. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at Fitness Explorer. And if you search on Google me on, uh, and search on YouTube for the Fitness Explorer or Daryl Edwards, you find out a lot about me. As uh, Helen mentioned earlier, my TEDx talk, Why Working Out Isn't Working Out, you can access that at primalplay.com forward slash TEDx uh, to access that talk. And that probably is, is probably the best, play, best places to access me. Oh, I mustn't forget my book. Animal News was launched, uh, was released in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a really good introduction to and ideas of how you can get become more trained like an animal. I don't mean like training like a beast. <laughs> this is more uh, about our biological need for movement based on being the animals that we are and how to have more fun in doing so. And also my range of products, the Animal Moves Dex, which will just give you even more ideas to have kind of randomize your play sessions. And for anyone going to Paleo FX, you're a confirmed speaker. Yes, I am. So I've, I've been every single mm. in every single year. So I think it's like this is the ninth year, I, I think. Wow. That I've that I've been. 
Um, so yeah, I'm part of the part of the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's on my yeah, bucket it's, it's, list. It's a great um, but I haven't got there. But yeah, it's on my bucket list and to have a photograph with Mark Sisson, who is my my saviour. Oh, when it comes, yeah, to- he's he's. I mean, what an inspirational guy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm if, if I'm not sure when this is I'm not sure when this is going out, Helen. Um, but do you know when it's going out? Or yeah, it's going to be going out over summer or slash winter. Uh, so probably January ish. This will be going out. So not. Oh, okay. Hmm. Oh, okay. No, because it's just a, yeah. I won't mention it then. There's oh, a go on. <laughs> what? Uh, well, there's a there's a there, no there's a there's a current competition oh. uh, running by. Um, which like a giveaway for for paleo in behalf of paleo effects which means mm. you can get like airfare vip tickets and the like which is which is currently being run so i was going to give you a link to access that i can get i can give you that offline so at least you can enter it yes when you, you send know. me your address for your for your goodie box that sounds like <laughs> yes, a good I'll do. I'll, yeah, I, I, i'm gonna I'll, be I'll do that. It's, on, it's on my bucket list um but i do have a a, a primal alternative producer in the u.s in iowa Rashonda. Rashonda, such an American name. So she's going to be there um, this year. So hopefully she can get a picture with Mark Sisson. And um, one of my primalistas, Gita, from uh, Sydney is flying over for Paleo FX as well. So look out for them. You might be able to get a picture with the, the Primal Alternative crew. And that would be like, yeah, sort of in there in spirit. Oh, please. Please tell them to, to, to you know, seek me out. Um, I do tend to do fireman carries. Oh. Most of my photo opportunities, so <laughs> then they need to be aware aware of that. <laughs> warn them. Make sure they wear trousers. Yeah, warn too. them. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, to so, so, you know. Oh, awesome. Hide their modesty. Oh, it's, been, it's been such a joy to connect. Like I say, I've been following you for years. I won when you were on the Primal Shift podcast back in the day. I won um, your Paleo A to Z book, which must have been one of the first books you ever wrote. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That was my second second book. Uh, my first is called Paleo Fitness, which was uh, published in 2013, actually, that book. It's quite a while back. Yeah. Um, and then Paleo from A to Z was, I think, it was 2015, 16. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, oh, that took forever and a day. <laughs> of kind of paleo uh, lifestyle encyclopedia that I that I wrote. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and yeah, it, congratulations. You know, that's, that's thank you. That's when I um you know first came into the paleo world. So it was very helpful to to have something to reference instantly. So so thanks for that and thanks for today. Seriously, it's so awesome to connect with you. You're amazing, and I look forward to following you in the future. Thank you so much. You've been a fantastic host, and uh, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you, Helen. Thank you. Thanks, Daryl. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.